Welcome to Toffee Blue View, your source for all things Everton. Uh, smiling, happiness, three points. We are jolly. Yes, we are. I'm Jerry, Max, Terrier here, um, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about lots of stuff. But first, I have to address: uh, if you're watching this, you'll notice maybe something weird about my face, weirder than usual. Uh, swelling in my eyes. Had a crazy bad. Reaction after a run yesterday, I had to go to the doctor, my eyes were swollen shut. I'll probably send an image of this to the editor so he can cut this in to show you how ridiculous. But that's my explanation for I not getting a fight. I haven't been in a fight in weeks. <laughs> you know, it's no, never, never been in a fight. Come on. So anyway, so yeah, that's the explanation for me looking even more tiny eyed than usual. So yeah, apologies for my elephant man syndrome I've got going on here. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so my, my day yesterday, I had that happen, and then I went and watched a really good college soccer team lose uh, to a bunch of shit houses. Uh, everybody out there, Wake Forest soccer, if you, were, if you watched the Wake Forest-Akron game, Akron hacked them to pieces. Wake got screwed over with a late uh, offsides call. It was awful. College soccer in America sucks. Because Wake's the only one that actually plays football and the rest are shithousing. It's terrible. I got it out. I've blabbed enough. It, I'm seriously, after watching Cardiff play play uh, play Everton this past weekend and to see their tactics and to to be like, that's what a team line that's how a team lines up if they know the other team's better. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do right there. Obviously we'll get into that more later, but I'm a, I'm a fireball. Right now, we're, we're going to have an entire segment about uh, about soccer in America. And I said soccer because it really, that's what they call it here, whatever. But we're going to have an American soccer segment sometime in the coming weeks to talk about why it sucks and what can be done and just the, the landscape. Because I do think things are getting better, but I, I don't think they've solved anything really yet. All right, enough of that. Gentlemen, thank you for allow- allowing me to monologue. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of, yeah, it's, it's appreciated. You got to get it out. We had been talking about it off camera. That's the other reason I didn't gab about it is because they would have had to hear it again. So, <laughs> uh, so gentlemen, let's, uh, for the benefit of the podcast listeners and Terry, here are the segments that we'll be covering <laughs> on this show. We're going to start by reacting to Cardiff. Uh, and how we uh, we managed to, to eke out a win uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah, they they packed it in, and we managed still to squeak one through. So yeah, three points. We'll talk about that next. We're going to talk about Sigurdsson's good form. Uh, I believe this got to me through the grapevine from Max to John. Maybe we need to talk about Sigurdsson and how he's just a big ball of ass kicking right now. So we're going to do that. Um, then we're going to talk about two recent transfer rumors, uh, Gabigol and Tangi Ndombele, two very recent transfer rumors. We've had others, but we didn't want to do a whole segment on transfer rumors because it's not quite that season yet. Not quite there. We're so close, but not quite. So, um, but we're going to talk about those two, and then we're going to finish up with If You Know Your History, the Everton-style 
quiz game that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Everton with and um, yeah, this will be a penalty shootout style quiz. Not going to be naming starters or people who played in the game. So, yeah, these are usually hard. Hey. Um, so, let's begin. And uh, let's, let's chit-chat about Cardiff. Uh, initial thoughts. Terry, how do you feel that one went down this weekend? Um, hard end. You had to really dig the results out. I mean, it's... <sighs> I don't know what else you could really expect for Cardiff coming to Goodison. Um, I mean, a lot of people, myself included, were expecting like a big victory, but that wasn't because we expected an open game per se. I think it was just uh, people thought the goal was going to come a little bit earlier than it did. And if it had done, maybe when Cardiff had to come out and we would have had a, a little bit more, a little bit more time maybe to to press to get more build up a bigger advantage. But yeah, it was. It was encouraging in a way because we've seen um, the players and the team um, put some victories on the board in the last few in the last month or so with proper, really nice football. They've really entertained. They've really, you know, I did some of the goals against Brighton spring to mind, like the flow and counter attacks and and so on. But this one showed a little bit more, a little bit more grit, a little bit more steel. Where you're going to have to play against a team who don't want to play you. They're not going to give you a, a proper game. They're just gonna try and spoil things. They're gonna try and you know kick kick sand in your eyes. They're gonna try and ruffle you, rough you up. And we had we, we matched up to it, so I was really encouraged because it shows that we can win ugly as well as win nice. Um, stats were pretty pretty telling about the game went seventy. I think it was seventy one seventy two percent possession we had. Um, Cardiff only had the one shot on goal um, on target rather. And yeah, ugly game, an ugly win, but the all count. It mm-hmm. uh, keeps the run going. We've got four home wins in a row now, and we're taking two clean sheets and two wins into the Merseyside derby next weekend, so you can't really can't sniff at that. <sighs> With you on all that. Um, Maxwell, what you got? I'm absolutely delighted, to be honest. Um, I, knew, I knew it'd be tough because obviously... The, if you think about it, before that international break, Cardiff are probably coming into that game in, in half decent form. Obviously, they got that uh, that win against Brighton, and um, make the, obviously could come make them come to go to some puff in the chest out a little bit. But you know, we we didn't really give them much, did we? As, as Teddy said, seventy one, seventy two percent possession. They were really physical. They had to try and um, you know kick shit out of us basically. Um, got going forward, it was it was a weird one because. We weren't clinical. That was one criticism I'd have, particularly of the two wide players, Bernard and, and Walcott. That they just you think about when I know I'm sure we'll get onto him, but Andre Gomez put a, put in an absolute masterclass performance in that midfield. You think about when he, you know on a few occasions on a few occasions he made players look silly, but when he fired that ball across the uh, the box at the old Walcott, and you're just thinking, you know, tap that home, and it kind of you know balloons off them. Chances like that where you're thinking, come on, you should be putting those to bed. However, you know, that that that's a that's a big win with the Merseyside Derby coming up this weekend. I mean, by by however many you take that all day long and I'm sure the lads will be full of confidence now. I got really annoyed watching the uh NBC sports feed, whoever the color commentator was 
uh, Cardiff were pushing a little bit at the end, you know, on a corner, trying to trying to get get a goal. And he said, you know, if Cardiff scored here, uh, I think they will have earned it. I don't really feel like Everton has done much to win this. And he was referring to the fact that he thought that their keeper hadn't had a lot to do. Um, I think that's stupid. I genuinely think that the <laughs> he wasn't actually watching the game. I'm trying to figure out. He just said all these little nitpicky like things about Everton the entire time, call, talking shit about Richarlison for falling down when somebody comes through his back, which happened repeatedly. That's a thing now. Okay, people come through Richarlison's back because he doesn't quite have the strength that uh, Jink Tosin does. You know, so when people go through his back, he falls down, and it's not getting called often now. But just a lot of nitpicky things that annoyed me, and I feel like this is indicative of uh, the way some people saw that game, where I think they weren't really thinking, okay, well, Everton played a strong game. Um, our dominance on the ball was evident, okay? Uh, we, we had just a ridiculous amount of possession because the other team wasn't pressing. They didn't want it. They didn't want the ball, you know. Uh, mm. They were playing for a draw. And as evidenced by their keeper getting yellow carded, getting cautioned in the first half first for time-wasting. That was incredible. Are you kidding me? You know, so that that is a squad that did not come in. And, and then you see Warnock getting annoyed that Sigerson's walking off the field at the end. I'm like, your keeper got carded for, for time-wasting in the first half, man. I realize... You know, you're Tony Soprano's mom, but it doesn't always go your way. All right? It was, I don't know. I just, I, I think one of the things we, that I have had trouble with is judging performances against overly defensive, overly physical, unskilled, te- unskilled teams that just want to steal a point. And, Terry, you brought it up. Getting an early goal. Getting a goal earlier so you can stretch them out. You know, make them have to go and try to. Once you get that goal, all bets are off. They they don't they don't stack the middle as much, and it's just a whole different game. Then, you know, um, I actually was I was fine. I thought our performance was strong. We're still we still look a little sloppy in terms of uh, making sure that we're our passes oftentimes are uh, are just like a few feet off. I saw a lot of that in the game, especially around the box. But I think a big part of that is they were, they were stacking it. They had more feet getting in the passing lanes. That's going to happen, you know? I don't know. I was actually fine with the match. I didn't think we played poorly. I didn't. So, no. plus three points. Hey, top six. Hey, you know? Exactly. E- even, that's huge. Yeah. That was huge. Uh, that, that, that's worth talking about now, you know? I mean, I can't see it lasting for much longer, but let's see if Sky Sports credits us as being one of the uh, the big six now we're in there. Oh, no, no, it's top five for them now, didn't you, didn't you see? No, no, I, I seen a tweet the other day, it's top four again. <laughs> the, the, back, to, back, back to 92, the early days of the Premier League, isn't it now? <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously Manchester United dropping points, that was, an, uh, that was a huge bonus for us. Um, nice. I was I, I was um, I mean I, I was half paying attention to the Arsenal Bournemouth game and I would probably would have much preferred that to be a draw. Me too. But you know, mm-hmm. uh, gives gives a bit of daylight between us and Bournemouth now as it is. Um, 
But yeah, hopefully that carries on. That midfield, I just want to highlight the midfield performance. Andre Gomez, Adrissa Gay, Gilfie Sigurdsson, they were the you know they were the best three players on the pitch for me. Absolutely dominant, and they made Cardiff players look quite silly at times, which I've, I it was very amusing. I thought there was the amount of time we kind of left the man for dead. We're showing a flair and a real confidence in our play now that if you can translate that to Anfield take away the nerves and the kind of inferiority complex that we seem to have there, I think we can give them a really good game because although they won 3-0 at Watford, they're not playing this ebb and flow and attacking football like they were last season. Who was your man of the match, Max, and then we moved to Terry? Gomez. Gomez. It's the Andre, Andre Gomez show for me. Gomez. It's got to be. I literally wrote Gomez for me. Yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> Terry, why? Why Gomez? What's, what particularly stood out for you for him? Uh, he just... He was just mercurial. He was just everywhere. He ran the whole game. Um, and obviously, because of the, the way they were set up, he found himself with loads of time and space to, to do his stuff. And, I mean, just, just watch the highlights, some of the things. Some of the, even the stuff that doesn't make the highlights, like, you know, when he goes past players into the box and whips the, the ball across, as, uh, as Max said... There's just some of the some of the switching of the play he does and everything. He's he's a really really good uh, deep line playmaker, and um, honestly, I think the first thing on the agenda for the second the transfer window opens is go and call Barcelona and just say, "Go about Andre Gomez and see where we end up." Because he, he <coughs> him and Idris Gay and Gilfie Sigurdsson look like a really strong diverse trio who we can potentially look to build around. And to be honest. I think a big part of December is going to be crucial because we're not going to be able to play all three of them um, in every single game. So that will really tell us where, where what we can achieve this season when to see how we get on when we haven't got all three. Because with all three, especially with Gomez playing the way he is, I think we can uh, give anyone a game and hopefully we do on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For, uh, the thing about Gomez that never makes highlights... Um, he really does a good job of covering in the back as well. Um, when you see the opposition get a little break and you see him not, he doesn't come in with crunching tackles. That's not his game. He just kind of shepherds them to the side, you know, just gradually eases them off the ball, muscles them off just, just with, I mean, it's, it's that grace. He's just a graceful mm. player. Uh, we t- said it yeah. before, he glides around the pitch, even on defense. That's one of the things that surprised me, like the most when, um, that I've seen from him, was when you get, like you know, flair players and creative players from the leagues like La Liga. Sometimes it's a bit hit or miss. Where what what are they like physically? I think I mean we saw from Holland, um, Davy Klassen really struggled in that position with the physicality, his football and ability didn't even come into it because he couldn't cope physically. Whereas when Gomez started playing. And like people couldn't knock him off the ball, and he retained the ball really well. And you know he, he shields it, and you know he assists with the you know the, the the sort of battling aspect. I was really surprised by that because I knew we'd get a, a good technical player, but you just always wonder which way it's going to go with with the physical side of it. Because some players just don't take the Premier League, but but he has. He doesn't look like he's ever played anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, he's like. It's almost as if he's got this bird's eye view when when he gets the winning, you know, when he receives the balls of feet. It's like he's got you know a three hundred and sixty degree kind of perception of what's around him. Like Terry said, his ability to you know that close control and the ability to shield and hold the ball up, know when to to knock it on and move forward. 
it's absolutely fantastic. And if you look at what um, Dortmund have done with Paco Alcacer, you've got him on loan and already they've made it a mm. permanent deal. I think we should definitely be looking to do that now. And it, I think it um, gives the lads in the dressing room a real boost of confidence and a statement of intent of what we want to achieve. Yeah, I'll be curious if we may try to make that move in January or if we're going to wait till the end of the year. I I, I can't see it happening in January because yeah. I think Barcelona are going to have a real stubborn stance on this one. Agreed. But I, the more he, he turns in performances like that, the more, without a doubt, he's going to be you know he's going to be making his way up the list of priorities in terms of who we're going to bring in. Terry brought up a really good point, which is December. I think it was Terry. Was it? It was you, Terry, right? You were, you were saying yeah. Yeah, how, how we're not going to be able to start all these players, which is one of the reasons why you're starting to see us make moves for players where we already, you know, positions where we already have good players. We're actually trying to start building a squad. Um, you know, uh, linked with Ndombele, we've got players to play those positions. But a good player like that, you, is no drop off. You sub out Gomez, you put in Dombele. That's just that's that's a hell of a that's that works. Not the same style players, very different but equally effective. Um, yeah, uh, I'm excited about transfer windows. But we're at, you know, at this moment though, it's just it's just cool to be excited about the next game. You know. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not dreading this weekend. I'm just not, you know. I I get you two possibly dreading it because you live where you live. I get it. That's a whole different world you live in. But I'm I'm really excited. I'm I just I don't know. My 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 kind of pressing concern is because as I mentioned before, I wasn't too impressed with the you know the wide players that started. I, if it wasn't the derby coming up on the weekend, I would have gone ahead and, and rolled with the, the front three to finish the mm. game. Mm. And I still, I'm still quite undecided on on which selection I'd make really with it being the derby, because I don't know. Obviously, the midfield doing as well as it is, you want to to push that level of performance going forward, and you want to the attacking players to turn in with goals as well. Um. Luckman was absolutely fantastic when he came on. He was, you know, arguably he should have finished that chance that he had. And uh, Tosin seems, you know, fluid with his hold of play and his, and his interlinking. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose good selection headaches ahead of that game. And, and, and with them having PSG midweek, hopefully it goes our way. Yeah. It should. What do you think, Terry? Are you. You feeling okay? No. <laughs> See, I... I, can't, I, I can't anymore. I just can't do it. Expect the worst, and you might be pleasantly surprised. But um, <clears throat> uh, they're very they good. Are. And to you know what? At this point, given the way the last few years have gone, I will be happy to get back to when we play each other. We just do our stuff and then see what the result is. We we've developed this complex over the last couple of years. Um, even though we've not got a great record long term, but this last five or six years, 
we treat it like it's a like like it's this, this cup final, and we we change our formation and our personnel to accommodate, and we we end up losing anyway. So I just want to go mm. there. Here's what we're about. Here's what we can do. This these are our players. Let's see how they do against yep. your players, and don't don't treat it like this like this enormous enormous game where oh my god you're playing the Liverpool. We we've got a little bit stuck in that mentality and. Last season, even though as bad as it was at times, I think we started to see a departure from that. And I think with this massive recycling <laughs> play we've been doing, not everyone has been has got that taint on them yet of this, like, oh, we've never beaten, we don't beat Liverpool. I, look at our first 11, only Coleman has really played Liverpool before for, for Everton or um, before last season. And the ones and Coleman himself has played very little against Liverpool or just through circumstance over the past seven, eight years. He's always seems to be injured and or, or he, he misses the game through circumstance. So I just want to see there shouldn't be any fear of Liverpool. We're not gonna go down, we're not gonna win the league, just go for it. We've got players like Richarlison, we've got players like Bernard, we've got players like Gomez. These players haven't played against Liverpool for Everton, so they shouldn't go into this game going, Oh, this again the tide's got to turn eventually we we will beat them again at some point and I just can't I just can't get excited until it happens it needs to happen before I'll begin to believe again <laughs> not before yeah I I take the Chelsea result as very encouraging that was the most recent game where we played someone that's supposed to be a heavyweight and we went in there and despite making some slight alterations with with formation and with um, with pressing, we altered that a little bit. I think we can see that kind of thing happening this weekend. We still played our game. We still had chances. I I could see a very similar thing happening against Liverpool. I don't think they're going to hack us uh, as as much as Chelsea did. I don't think they're going to be as physical. Uh, yeah, there's going to be an element of physicality because it's a derby. But I don't think it's going to be a, a systematic plan the way Chelsea's was. You know that was obvious. Mm. So it it could it could play into our hands with the because obviously you saw uh, towards the end of the Cardiff game we brought Kurt Dumer on and rolled with the with the back three that could come in handy against so. Liverpool. But you know if you want to take the the man mark and approach with with their front mm. three, but to, to, just to touch on what Terry said earlier, uh, incrementally particularly from last season, I know we lost that one in the cup. But performances were better. If you look at the one at, at Goodison, we we you know we had a chance right at the end that we should have stuck in and won one nil, but we didn't. And so, uh, as I was saying, you know, it's it, it's incrementally getting better. And you know, if 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 there ever was a time, now is the time. But I I say, but I was a shadow of a doubt. This is their biggest game of the season, and without fail, no matter how, how much they play it down, they always turn mm-hmm. up. They always, you know, they always rise to the occasion and and put in a good performance against us. And I'm hoping this season we can take this same approach and not wet the bed, so to speak. I'm ac- I'm actually I'm actually getting Just excited. Quick. Sorry, guys, you guys are getting me more psyched with all this. Uh, I can't help it. I don't know whether it's it's, it's it's I don't know whether it's excitement or nerves. I think it's both. Like, I'm good with both. Just on, just very quickly on that um, three at the back thing. 
we can't do that. We we will be asking for trouble if we do that because no, the way you've injury at the back is high and wide and they would love that. I understand the temptation, but I really hope we don't. Even mid-game, I wouldn't want us to do that because you no, end I, up with five at the back then against their full-backs as well. If we've got something to defend, that would be, I'd say. If we've got something to defend, which is unlikely we'd, mm. we'd be in that position, say if we've got 20 minutes left and, you know... We're holding yeah, on to it. That's when I could see us pop- possibly doing it, but yeah, but yeah, it's definitely not something you're gonna see like you know from the beginning. I can't see Silva doing that. No, from the no. off, I think that'd be suicide. But no, I, I, but I, I just say, obviously, yeah, it does come into the five back then, mm-hmm. doesn't it? And with with the defensive the defensive capabilities of Gomez and of Gay, fingers crossed that they can. Uh, Put a good shift in, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. It's only Monday. Um, Yeri Mina header to win the game, and then have them do uh, do some of those dance moves. Oh, don't! I'll die of happy. Imagine. <laughs> All right. I, I, by the way, I love how this Cardiff reaction has been at least ten minutes worth of Derby talk. <laughs> Can't help it though. It's 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 the week. You know, this is the way it works. The emotional yeah. preparation. Yeah. I feel like that's what people want to hear anyway. So, anyway. <laughs> Terry, your reactions have been absolutely priceless on this one. So, <laughs> I can't wait to start actually going into Derby talk later on this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to do screenshots of Terry throughout the whole time. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, I guess that's it for our Cardiff reaction, which was really just Liverpool prep as well. We are going to roll into a little segment here uh, about our Icelandic wonder. Uh, Yeah, the Iceman, Gilfie Sigurdsson, uh, has has been in really good form this season, Um, and there's a a number of reasons for that. I'm sure we'll get to those. Last season, he played 27 games, had four goals and three assists, and everybody was like, man, 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 you overpaid for him, man, man, man. Well, uh, this season, 13 games in, he's had six goals and two assists, and uh, he's just playing both ways, equally equally hard on defense as he is on the attack. Uh, it's it's been, a, it's been strong from Gilfie this season. So... Um, Max, why don't we start with you? Because, you know, it's your turn. Uh, <laughs> what do you think is contributing to Sigurdsson's good form? As, as you say, many things. But interestingly, for me, I've, got, I've, got, I've been asked to do an article on, um, on Sigurdsson that I'm going to try and get out in the, in the next week or so. But it's almost as if it's the, the Sigurdsson that was at Swansea. Like, you know, he, he was very much a talisman for Swansea. And I think it's the... You know, it's proven the same now. He, he's winning games for us now. He's like, you know, he's a match-deciding player. Um, obviously, he wasn't that as much last season, as you've said there. You pointed to the stat. He, you know, it wasn't as, as much of a fruitful return. You can say, obviously, the, the turnover in management, putting him out on the left, it obviously would do him no good. Um, shipping out the likes of Rooney, Klassen, giving him the number 10 shirt, putting that responsibility on him. Saying you know, you know you're the you're the playmaker now. You know you're who we're going to look to to turn defences into attacks and to to take all the set pieces 
and he's just absolutely marvellous to watch, isn't he? It, it, it's absolutely fantastic, even when, as, as you say, that, that Cardiff game, it wasn't the, the prettiest of performances. Um, and I think when I, when I was having a little look at his stats, they, they weren't even that great. But as I say, he won us the match. He won us the match, and it, it was a big match too, obviously. It's, a, it's a, his old rival, obviously being an ex an ex Swansea player, and you could argue, you know, you could put that forward. That's a big game. Um, obviously, he scored against Swansea as well last season. Scored against Liverpool last season. Scored that absolutely fantastic game, fantastic goal that won us, won us the game against Leicester. Um, put in a match winning performance against Fulham. I don't know. It's weird because obviously you, you look at that. You, you know, outright you'd say, is he our best player? There's many, you know, there's many others who have arguments to put forward as to being our best player. But if this rich vein of form continues, I think without a shadow of a doubt, he, he's, he's got to be our best player. All right, Terry. Anything on that? Um, I mean, I just agree completely with Max. Just the, the when you asked the question. Um, What's what's different? Was it? Did you say what's different this season compared to last? Pace. I, this season he's got pace that he can feed and players with actual quality. You've got to remember, like circumstances were not kind to Sigurdsson last uh, last year. He's come from Swansea. He came quite late in the window. He had no proper preseason. So when he when he gets played straight away, he's having to come up to speed fitness wise, playing in a team devoid of pace. So every time he'd get the ball. He was on the left, and he's got to look for. You know, he's got Klesan and Rooney inside, and Sandro, who had pace but couldn't keep the ball, couldn't stick to him. And he's, you know, he's looking at Kuka Martina at right back when Coleman wasn't playing. And as the season went on, he improved. He, you know, he as his fitness caught up with him, he improved. But then, as soon as he got up to full fitness. And he had a little bit of pace around him. Yannick Balassi came back into the team and Walcott came into the club. He was then playing for Sam Allardyce, which stunts any creative player, regardless of who's around him. So we've always had this player. We've always had this Gilfie Sigurdsson on our books, but just everything that was happening above his head didn't help him. So now this season, he's playing in a team where he's got actual pace and creativity and a manager who wants to play on the front foot uh, he's got all that around him and he's getting to show his stuff and uh, he's this was his last big move like he wasn't he, he, he went he, his previous move to a big club didn't come off for him and it was that was again circumstance because uh, Pochettino even come out and said that he would have liked to have kept him but it was already decided that he was going back to Swansea before um before he got there, so if he, if his move here to Everton didn't come off, the, the prime of his career is just wasted because he'd have probably bounced around here a year or two and then gone elsewhere, to, gone back down the league, and been a star in a, in a small pond there. But not needed. He's he's turning on now, and he's he's a star in his country. He's one of the top top two or three best ever Icelandic players and he knows now he, he, this is the time he's got to do it he, he, he wants to do something here you can tell he wants to win a trophy and he wants to play in Europe and he wants to make his name now because he won't get a bigger move after this and I think we're seeing the benefits of a fully fit Gilfie Sigurdsson playing in his natural position with players around him that complement him I think it helps to have other players creating in the side with him pace is huge 
Um, but having those other players actually manufacturing chances, so it's not all on him. So somebody could maybe help create a chance for him. So it's not just him creating a chance for himself and for others and doing everything. I felt like everything was heaped on his shoulders last season. Like, everything. We mm. expected him to get in the side and immediately to start providing all these assists and all these goals. Who else was creating last season? I I can't think. Of, uh, the fact that mm-hmm. Richarlison can create it, Rooney. <laughs> you know, and that kind of stopped short after a certain bit, you know. Mm. Um, but Charleston can create his own chances. Um, Jinktosin combines well in terms of combination play. Bernard is actually, has actually created more chances this season than Sigurdsson has. Um, and, and he hasn't even played as much, but he's created a lot of opportunities. Lookman is getting more, is starting to get more time. He's creating chances. And it's just, it's this big, uh, it's weight off his shoulders, which allows him to be free, you know, uh, frees him up to kind of play his game. And so he's he's one of the good players rather than the good player, you know. Um, I think it helps to have the support in the center mid area with Gomez and and uh, Gay doing what they're doing. It's just a Gay mopping up af- absolutely everything mm. and having pace. Then you look at Gomez who glides around everywhere, also creating. I didn't even mention his name earlier. He's creating now. So it's just a it's just a much more he's set up to succeed now rather than sink or swim last year. Um mm. right now does it look like we overpaid for him? Not at all. No. Got to say well there's a massive difference in playing um on the left of midfield trying to protect Cuco Martina <laughs> compared to playing in number 10 with Gomez and um, and Garner behind you allowing you to have time and space. I mean it, it, one of the, yeah, again, I didn't even mention Luca Dean. He's now got options like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, of him, he's just. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Now he's one of the good players, and he's allowed to ex- play his game rather than you are the good player. We need you to cover this outer position left back. We also need you to create all of our chances for players who can't get beyond their markers because they're too slow. Mm. The the turnaround of Sigurdsson is the biggest indicator, I think, of how badly managed we were last season through all aspects of the club. He's a good barometer of what's improved and just look at look at him now compared to last season at any point. Just varying managers. He's just like a different player. This is the player we bought and same with um we're probably gonna think with Richarlison. Um hopefully yeah we scoffed at the price at the time but it ended up being actually you know value for money at least if not a bargain. I'm gonna say from a defensive point of view, you mentioned Adrisa Gay and um, Andre Gomez there, Jerry. Like, it's not as if he doesn't return the favour. He, he covers does, yeah. a hell of a lot of ground. He does, um, and there seems to be a real cohesion and understanding with not only the players behind him, um, and you know you see how the, the, the likes how he links up with the likes of Luca Dean, and but how he links up with the forward players too. Go back to the uh, the Brighton game and how he um, he set up Richardson first, but you know that. That counter attack and the you know he's like from from our box to their box, linked up with Bernard, p- played the uh, the final ball into the path of Richarlison, and you know it's it's a common occurrence now. He puts shifts like that mm-hmm. in week in week out, um, and it, more often than not, because with him obviously uh, churning in well with goals, he, he's put in front of a camera after the game, you know, being interviewed as the match winner, and he, 
he gives you know he he speaks really well too. He, he's not arrogant. He's not getting carried away with you know his good form. He, he's firmly grounded. Speaks on behalf of the club. Um, as you said, he's one of the good players and kind of alluding to because obviously we've mentioned last season. It just seems to be, you know, the players are proud to play for us and, and want to play to the best of their capabilities. And it, it's really exciting and it's a good time to to not only be a supporter, but to, to watch because we're playing really good football now. And as proved, he's a cracking footballer in the right system. Just quickly on that point you said about him defensively, like the, you're seeing all sides of his game now. I mean, you'd look at the game type of match he had against Fulham where he was just... An attacking like beast, and then you look at the Chelsea match where he was the first line of defence, and he he was weirdly a defensive number ten. He was the best, one of the best defensive performances throughout the whole team that day by doing a job on um, Jorginho, which totally disrupted Chelsea. And uh, Tottenham uh, copied that to an extent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this weekend just gone, they must have studied the way we upset Chelsea the rhythm. So not only is he coming up with all these goals and assists, he's actually, you know, he's, he's winning us games defensively as well or getting us results at least. Yeah. Yeah. The, the idea of him not having to cover for other, for shitty, for shittiness, <laughs> he can focus mm. on combining with equal level, level players. You know, it's not, it's, it's a relief to not have to sit there and cover for other people. The idea that other people are doing their jobs, you know, that's, uh, yeah. The the Chelsea performance is, is the defensive performance I was thinking of. The idea where he was disciplined defensively, you know, uh, fitting, fitting into that game plan. It's just, I give a lot of props to the manager on this, you know. Mm. Um, so I've heard, I've seen some arguments on Twitter that Sigurdsson's performances with Tosin up top are stronger. He tends to score. I think last game was his first game scoring when Tosin wasn't in. I think that's right. Um, do we think that matters? Is it a situation that maybe Sigurdsson doesn't score as many goals when Tosin's not in, but the rest of the team scores? That's an, that's an interesting point because the same point was raised about Richardson too, wasn't it? Mm. How he kind of links in well with Tosin. But I think Tosin, I, I, I've, I've reiterated the point several times, I think I think Tosin's a really good playmaking forward mm-hmm. in yeah. terms of holding the ball up and, and you know, linking up with players. I, I, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't say it's a, determined, a determining factor because I think just, it just everything's just kind of going his way. I think Terry listed the amount of things that weren't going his way last season, uh, and and now things just they all seem to be pointing up, um, and confidence is there whether Tosin's in the side or not. You know he's kind of that that chief creator, mm-hmm. um, and he you know he's got a clear understanding of his role and knows what he has to do in there, um, and that 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 approach may switch depending on who he's got in front of him as, as a centre forward or. Whoever, whoever he's got to link up with out wide, but no, I feel I feel like that takes the credit away from him somewhat. I just think he's been absolutely fantastic this season. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's it's not an indictment of any of the other players. I just think all the attacking players benefit from having Tosin around. I mean, 
he's such a good foil of a striker. Like like Max said, he's a play. He's like a sort of playmaker striker, but not even in the sense of you know he, he, the, the sort of little link up play you can do. Just having that orthodox number nine in you know against the opposition back four, it makes it easier for other attacking players because the opposition defence change the way they play to play against Tosin than they do from Richarlison. Mm-hmm. So they'll he'll create more space for them. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if every you know Luckman, um, Walcott, Bernard, Sigurdsson. I wouldn't be surprised if they all benefited when Tosin's on the pitch, just because it's the same with with a lot of clubs. If if you can, especially when he comes off the bench, if you're playing against the defence that's um, been playing against Richarlison all game and playing one way, then to suddenly switch it up and be tired of the, as well, then you're going to find yourself with more space, and the more space Sigurdsson has. The better he is, because obviously we know what kind of you know strikes he can hit from distance, and you know he's got more time and you know to look and see you know pick the right pass. So it's just one of those things. It, some players are like that; they bring they bring the best out of others, even if they're not scoring themselves. And I think Tosin is one of those players. Yeah, I'll be curious to see December how we're varying things up when it comes to those combinations. I was happy to see Tosin get in because I do think he gives us a different look. A different style. Lately, he's been bringing in Calvert Lewin for Richarlison because uh, he's. Uh, I think I've heard a lot of people say that uh, Silva's system works best with a speedy uh, number number nine. Um, yeah, I'm anxious to see how that shakes out. Uh, last question: Do we need to sign a backup for Sigurdsson moving forward? Because right now, let's say Sigurdsson can't play. Who steps in for him? How are we? Is it a Bernard situation? Is it a Karen Dowell situation? Or is it something where we? Is it a Tom Davies situation? Um, how do we roll on that? Because I don't really know. Because I feel like Bernard's getting really comfortable playing on that on that wing. You know. Yeah. Um. I think in for for the sake of. The, for quality and numbers, I think you'd like to see a player brought in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I bring the case forward. I'd love to see Tom Davies play in that number ten role. I think that would benefit his career a lot if he was just given. You know, obviously with January co- coming up, I'd love to see it go ahead against some of the lesser teams in the league. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I, I'd like to see us bring in uh, another number ten. But I can't see them unseating Gilfie mm-hmm. anytime soon. It's Particularly with his confidence at the minute, we do definitely need someone. Um, it's difficult though because a lot of clubs will have this problem with with all their top players. Like, how do they sign someone um, for a position where the player who's coming knows there's an established top player in that position that they're not going to unseat straight away? I mean, we have got a player who could play there, but he's not at the club. Nikola Vlasic, yeah. and we've covered that covered covered that in other videos, but. Um, no, I um, I agree with Max it's entirely. Um, I I would like to see if if Sigurdsson Touchwood was to you know come out the team, get injured, whatever, um, or just be resting the Christmas fixtures coming up at some point to keep him fresh. I'd like to see Tom Davis in that position, not because he's going to play the same game that Gilfie Sigurdsson does, because he's not. But I'm not a big believer in the um, in switching your formation around to accommodate one injury I, I think as if you were able to do a like for like swap even if there's a bit of a drop off in quality I think that is more beneficial to the team obviously anyone comes out at this point they're going to try and get Luckman in because he's playing so well but 
I, I just wouldn't want to be taking Bernard off that side where he's establishing himself. He's he's still learning the league, remember? He's still learning the rest of his teammates. You don't want to be going, right, well, you're playing number 10 right. for a couple of games and you're mm. going to go back out. Um, but there's loads of options. I mean, we could you could do that and put Tosin in instead and then put Richarlison back on the left for a bit. But I think for the shape of the team and for the style of the team, I think giving Tom Davis that advanced role, almost like he did with... Um, Koeman, um when he first broke through, he was in with Sigurdsson, um, Schneiderlin, sorry, and Garner Gay. He was sort of like of that middle three. He was the one who was who had the license to get forward, not so much an off the striker number ten, but you know, arrive from deep kinds of striker who can you know sort of you know turn up in different parts of the pitch, go beyond the striker, and you know help you know help where you need it. And I, I think Tom Davis would actually play better there than further back where he has been playing. Uh, I also think he's more well-equipped to handle, handle the defensive responsibilities of that position. In Sil- Silva's system, we've seen how much defense, we talked about this video, how much defense Sigurdsson has to, has to actually help with. Mm. And I think Tom Davis is the only one of the names we've mentioned that could handle that. Don't think Bernard could handle it. And Kieran Dowell, while I think he can handle the attacking responsibilities, I worry about the wear and tear on his body, you know, going back and forth. I don't know if he can handle all the defense that he would have to be actually performing. Um, having said that, I do think we're probably going to need a, someone to come in and be able to – we're going to need more depth at that position. Um, Makes you laugh, doesn't it, considering how many of them we brought in last yeah. summer? Was he looking at the market for more, no, more number 10s I again? wish Vlasic would have been but, fine uh, with not starting every game. Because that's why yeah. he's gone. It's yeah. the only reason. I think I think Silva would have been fine with him staying. I think he would have been our backup there. And he just wants minutes right now. After last season, I can't blame him. Mm. But I don't know if... I think that may... It, to me, that shows me a player who doesn't really want to play for us. That's a player who just wants to play. I can't even see him coming back next season, really. Yeah, I'd be surprised as well, but you never know. But I think honestly, Tom Davis could surprise people. Mm-hmm. Like it's been such a long time when he's been played in a, in a sort of attacking position, people forget he actually is a good player. Like yeah. he's he, he's not going to be not Gilfie Sigurdsson. I don't think anyone in the squad's got that in the locker at the minute. But I think he could he could surprise people if he played that high up the pitch because he's a, he's actually a good attacking player. Yeah. And he's got the ability to draw fouls, which I think if you're playing in that number 10 role... But to be honest, I think it's just a given in this Everton side anyway. You're going to have players hot on your yep. heels. Um, but it seems like a, a particular skill of Tom Davies, you know, with his back to goal to he draw fouls. He uses his body really to, smart, and he knows when mm, to feel that contact, when to go down. Um, yeah, you, you add that, you know, you, you're going to be absolved of, the, of a bit more defensive responsibility if you put further up the pitch... One thing I've pointed out about Tom Davies is when he is playing one of the, the um, protecting roles a bit deeper, he's often caught out on the counter mm-hmm. attack for not having enough pace to keep up. True. Mm-hmm. You absolve him of that responsibility as much, and you might see a much better side of his game. I think that's. I think that all makes sense. I am. That would be my choice. I agree with you guys. Um, all right. Anything else on uh, on Sigurdsson here? Keep yeah. it up. Please do. Yeah. <laughs> Stay healthy, please. Um, uh, I guess that's uh, I guess that's it for our, our Sigurdsson's good form segment. Long may it continue. 
gently delving into the transfer rumors on this segment. Just a slow trickle into it, because as we know, come January, all bets are off, hell breaks loose, and we get connected with every single center back and every single everything. Every agent name drops us because we're the we're the hot young team, you know. So uh, I'm fine with it. Whatever. Just means a lot of reading, trying to siphon through what's the shit and what's the, mm-hmm. the wheat from the chaff, if you will. Um, two new ones. Uh, first one, let's start with Gabriel Barbosa. You may know him as Gabi Gol. Uh, he's got goal in his name. Just saying. Uh, he's an Inter Milan player, but he's currently on loan with Santos in Brazil, where he's got 18 goals this season. I think he led the league in scoring. Um, he's an interesting player when you watch him. Uh, he doesn't seem like super speedy. He doesn't seem like he's got a lot of pace, like a lot of pace. Um, but he's a really clinical fish, finisher, very intelligent. Plays more of a second striker role rather than the lead striker. Like, I don't know how he would play that lead striker role in England where it's even more physical. Mm. Um, just had a nightmare situation at Inter. He's 22 years old. I didn't realize he was this young. Are you kidding? Um, he's a young guy. Um, and he could cost potentially less than $20 million. Um, and that could end up happening in January, as I've heard he is probably off to another club in January. So, what do we think of Gabigol and how in the world? Because when you watch tape of him, it's interesting. He wears the number ten on his back, but you and you also you often don't see him being that lead guy in his highlights. He seems like he's a little further back. Yeah, he, he comes across as a second striker to me. He is. Um, I don't. I don't. I, it seems like we've got this real South American fever about us at the minute. We're going, and the template seems to be big kind. They've got to be young with a lot of promise. Um, obviously, the, with Gabby Gullet, an interesting kind of case study because obviously signed to it, signed from Santos to Inter, and I didn't see a whole lot of him at Santos. Obviously, you see highlights and. I was really expecting them to blow up at Inter and become this, you know, this emerging presence and a great centre forward. But he, you know, he just, you know, it didn't work out for him. And Inter did have a great season last season under Spalletti getting the Champions League, and he just seemed to be a bit of an a bit of a cast out. Obviously, went on loan at Benfica, back at Santos, back at the club from where, he, which is always quite an interesting one for me because that may just kind of be his home, if you know what I mean. Um, but I, I think I think when it when it comes to these um, transfer discussions, my reaction instinctually will be: if you get the okay from Brands and Silva, you get an okay from me. You know, they, as I say, they seem to have this template of player that fits into the Everton project, and so far, so good. So, um, if they are interested, I am interested too. Isn't it, it's such a boring way to think, but it's such a comfortable thing. You know it, what I mean? It, it's like yeah. you know what? I trust those guys. Yeah, it, I do it, at this it, point. You it's, know, it's foolproofing your own thoughts, really. You know, you can, you just kind of think, what would what would Marshall do? And <laughs> but yeah, WWMD. That's <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, 
I don't, I, 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 I don't, I've, I've just got to say, I don't obviously know enough about him to see, if he, you know, if, would he hit the ground when maybe come to Everton? I don't know. No, we are clearly not experts on the two players we're, we're discussing today, but done a little research, you know, and at least get the ball rolling on the conversation about him. Obviously, if these links continue, they will get stronger. We will continue to learn more about them. Think about how they'll fit in. What he seems like is a player that we don't have a lot of. Uh, you know, the idea of a second striker uh, giving us a different look. Um, that's, I don't know. Uh, and also one who's, who's clinical uh, in front of the goal. Not really, doesn't really seem like a, a bag of nerves. Uh, however, one of the things that some people have said is if he gets his head on straight. Whenever I hear that kind of phrase, I get a little worried. You know, makes me worry that maybe there's an attitude problem of some sort. Um, but again, Sylvan Bronze, if it's an attitude problem, they're not going to bring him. I tried, mm. They brought in like good people. So what do you think, Terry, about possibly bringing in a, a second striker Brazilian who's banged in 18 goals and but not necessarily known for his pace? I don't believe it. I, it smells an awful lot like an agent putting the, the link out there because his player needs a club soon. So does his loan at Santos does that finish in January? What the 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 what I've said what I've seen was is that I believe it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, I believe that that season in Brazil ends. They said that he's going to end up. The, the article I read is that he's going to end up the leading scorer in. Brazil, so I believe that's right. Totally did not do it, but what the articles that I've read said that he's almost certainly off to a new club in January. This was bound, more than one. Bound to be really not getting in ahead of Mauro Icardi or Vitoro Martinez. No, he does fit the um, profile of players we've bought recently under this current regime because you know I, I look at the type of business we did with Barcelona, like Yerry Mina, like players who've come into a big European club and the club are going to very quickly decide to move them on because they haven't got the time or the patience for them to settle. Whereas we've come in and said, yeah, we can, we've got a home for you here. We can, uh, we can, we, we think we can use you. And like Mina's is the best example of that. And Gabby, Gabby goal would be, or Gary goals, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, whatever. Um, <laughs> He, he would, on paper, he would um, fit that sort of mould. And I can see why, if it is an agent's rumour, why he's chosen Everton as the uh, as the club to, li- you know, to link him with to generate some interest in his player. I don't think, uh, personally, there's going to be anything in this. I think it's, mm. it's all silly season type stuff. We don't play with a second striker. We, we don't. We, we play with a number 10 and a number 9. And I just don't. Where does he play in the team? It's, he, even if there's, say, Sigurdsson and Richarlison get injured or get suspended for a game each at the same game, where does he play? He can't play number ten because he's a second striker, and we're not set up to have that. And he won't play number nine. So, uh, I mean, maybe maybe it's a legit legit link because again, the profile's right for that. And South America, you know, Brands has got a big. Uh, <coughs> Big presence there. He, he looks into the South American market. He finds players there. 
I don't know though. I just think it's it doesn't seem like it's a bit of a square peg into a round hole if he comes here on the face of it. You never know. And I'll back mm. as Max and yourself said, Jerry, I'll back Brandon Silver all the way until uh, such a time where they prove they're not to be backed. But they were a long, long way from that at the minute. So every move they've made has been a good one. So if he comes, they've got a plan for him. But I, I don't think, I can't see it being a, tr- a legitimate link. Something I did notice is he's been also linked with West Ham. And that is a common thing when it comes to agents name dropping in the press. You see us connected with a lot of the same players West Ham is. You know? Um, the only I'm trying to envision a scenario in a game when you, when you put him in. Uh, if we need goals, possibly taking out one of our <clears throat> center mids. Rolling with him, uh, you know, I could see that happening if we need a goal late. But could you really see us starting a game like that, you know? And I feel like he would want to play more, you know, and not just come in in the last 25 minutes of of games, you know? And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's a strange. It's a strange scenario. But he's a talented kid. Um, we'd have to be patient with him. It's just I. I I am more skeptical of the Gabigol connection. Uh, the fact that we have these new Brazilians on our team, though, kind of, for me, makes it a little more real just because it's like they're they're getting the band together. You know what I mean? It's mm. We're getting them back together, man. So it's, it's like these fringe Brazilian players who actually can play and who have needed opportunities. So um, I am vexed. Um I lend more credence to the next rumor uh, from Lyon, uh, Tangi Ndombele. I remember last season when I was doing the opposition view with the kind man <laughs> from Lyon, who uh, I, I can't, of course, I can't remember his name, uh, but he was, uh, he said, look out for this kid. This kid can play. We just brought him on. And he is he is a quality quality player. Um, uh, they got him for eight million, I think. Um, they I think they had a loan with an option to buy, and they mm. took the option to buy. Um, he's currently valued around forty million now. If that tells you how well he's done, um, he's a center mid. I think he occasionally drops into defensive mid, more of a center mid player. I believe he'd be comp- competing with Andre Gomez for minutes. Um, obviously, uh, he's twenty one years old, so he's younger. Creative, he's very good with the ball. Energe- energetic, he's got pace. Um, he puts an imprint on games when he's in there. Um, this would give us. Mm, I don't know if this would be an instead of Andre Gomez, or in addition to coming up in you know whenever we would try to make this purchase. But apparently, we sent our chief scout out there. This story was just in the Liverpool Echo, I think today. Uh-huh. Um, and as we know, sometimes lately the club, the club has been feeding little bits of information to the echo. Um, whenever it comes out first in the echo, I think maybe there's some credence to it. Um, yeah, again, he's a hell of a player guys. Uh, I just, I think we have a, we have a little bit of an issue making sure there's enough playing time to go around for these good players. Mm. But it's what having a squad is like. Yeah, he, he made, he made his, um, his international debut for France not too long ago as well, didn't he? I think you're right. So, so um, that 
you know, that bodes well for us and it speaks levels of the quality of player that we're aiming for these days. Mm. Um, it, it's funny because I, I, obviously you, you mentioned that the, the first time it came out was through the Liverpool Echo. But um, I didn't read the article when it came out. When, when I was being told the segments, I just heard the kid from Leon. I was thinking you know, straight away, who's that? I thought initially it was um, the, the lad who scored against us. Who the are? Traore? Is that, is oh, oh who is it? How do you, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. But I think it, it, oh, it's Awa. Oh, Awa. Awa. Yeah, he's a yeah. good player. So whenever I've watched him, he seemed like a really talented mm. player. But it, I wouldn't be averse to this, to this at all. Of course, you've got to, you know, you've got to question whether it's legitimate. Mm. For God's sake, it's November. But um, I wouldn't be against it at all. He, he played when Leon beat City not too long ago at the Etihad, and seemed looked to have a real imprint on that game. So you know it bodes well and says that he could perform in the Premier League. Um, whether he'd leave Lyon at the minute, I doubt it. They're playing really well. I think the yeah. second in the French league at the minute, obviously achieving European football consistently. Um, I know we're on the up at the minute, but I think they're just you know a peg ahead of us in terms of where you'd want to be. Supposedly, Yeri Mina the- chose us over Lyon, though. Yeah, mm. that to be honest, that 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 was the first thing I th- thought when I saw I saw the link today. I saw the uh, the article, really good, um, really good source, Phil Kirkbride. So you know it's a, mm. it's a legitimate. It more or less come from the club directly. But what I think that it's it's the equivalent of someone linking Bernard with playing somewhere who get sold in January. It's like why would he just he be bored? Yeah, why would he be bought by Leon? And it's not like he's been bought by Leon and hasn't kicked a ball. And he's he's mm. like, oh, this is not what I expected. He's playing for them, playing in the Champions League, playing really well. He's you know towards the top ends of of the French leagues. Like it doesn't, you know, as why would he come here? Because as good as we are at the minute, we're not better than Leon. Well, the way they're playing, they're playing in the Champions League. They, you know, they're competing at the top of their division. I. With my conspiracy theorist hat on, I wonder if we are actually negotiating for a different player in that position, and we have put this this story out um, via well-connected media at the club to sort of spook another player into you know talking to us and you know coming to a agreement with us because. This just seems like a re- on a lot of different levels a really bizarre link because he is playing in a team that's in bigger competitions than we are and he's just got there so it just makes no sense to me it just makes no sense unless it is a tactic we know that these things go on we know that clubs put you know stories out Barcelona did it a lot in the uh, summer over Mina they put like mm. stories out in the press so we might be going. I don't know whether the Man United link was fabricated from Barca the whole time. And no, there was even a link. Oh, for Paul Pogba, Barcelona are going to give fifty million plus Gomez yeah. and Mina. <clears throat> so they nearly got our uh, two of our players. But I don't even think that was legitimate. I think it's just a little bit of gamesmanship from from Everton in this case to try and push another player we may be speaking to into. Either lowering his demands or you know play, you know being direct with us, he, he could be great for us. It could be legitimate. We could be going to we could be trying to sign him. And he could come in. He could be great. But it just it smells smells suspicious to me. Well, 
point out that the article did say we sent our chief scout, inferring mm -hmm. that we specifically are going there to run the rule over the player a little more closely. I don't know that that infers any kind of negotiation or anything like that. I mean, heck, we go, we send scouts to Portugal, and they, they up, update those reports all the time saying what, what games we're at, you know, every weekend. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, for me, I, I see it as a player that we're interested in. I don't know if the player's interested in us. Um, and, and Terry, great point. Great point yeah. about the putting the pressure on to, to another player. That is entirely. It's a game. It's a this this marketing this or the this uh, press game that that football clubs play is not something they do in America. This was a totally new experience for me. The way transfer windows work in Europe, it is mind blowing, and I'm totally addicted to it. I think it's a fascinating. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> Who, who is legitimately going to try and sign a player and is at the scouting stage and then informs club-connected journalists? Like, yeah, we have, we're we actually watching this player. So if anyone wants to come in and gazump us, that's the one we're looking at. I, it, just, it is. That, put, it, put it that way, yeah. Terry, how could we argue with you? That makes it, putting it in those exact words, I'm just like, well, I'm a fool for thinking this was real. <laughs> It's, I mean, no, I think that that's like super logical unless, so it's either one of two things. It's what you said, or it's more advanced than it's being portrayed. Yeah, possibly. You know? But even then, I think the source um, contradicts that. If that comes out in random national um, press or online, mm. then that's leaked. It's come from the Liverpool Echo, Phil Kirkbride. That is stuff that's off by the club I think so I no I don't believe it I think no no club in the right mind would tell closely linked media yeah we're scouting this player it doesn't happen I think mm. we're uh, we're looking to smoke another player out so and I hope whoever that is is a good addition and we'll do a, a video on him when it comes to light <laughs> so yet again Terry smothers the positivity in the room <laughs> <laughs> We'll just call him the realist. All right. Uh, so I guess that's it for our probable fantasies for Gabigol and Ndombele. It could have been great. Just saying. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> Terry just... <laughs> I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-style uh, quiz show that pits Terry against Max in a cage match of Everton wits and might. Today's quiz is going to be penalty shootout style, where we will flip a memory card, because I don't believe in, in coins, um, except for digital coins. Yeah, crypto. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, we can't flip one of those, so I've got a memory card instead. All right? And we'll be seeing who gets to go first. Whoever wants to go first, they will get the first question, and the other per person will have a chance to block. And then we'll reverse for the next one, and then we'll go back for the next one, and then we'll go back for the next one. We'll play best of four. If it's tied at best of four, then we'll go to a tiebreaker. Let's hope we don't screw up this quiz like we did last one, where we accidentally 
had Terry go twice in a row and really technically according to the numbers should have tied last week should have been a draw yeah so there's that so next time it comes up max we get we just gotta throw it to terry if it's if it's in doubt all right because he got shafted last time all right so terry you called last time and uh, so max your turn tails. do i even need to ask you tails tails of course it is heads, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Heads. That is the head of the memory card. So, Terry, when would you like to go? First or second? Would you like to shoot or block first? Um, I'll shoot first. I'll go first. All right. That is does tend to be the way. Max, which end do you want to defend? Club the sheep. <laughs> I knew it. That's the that's what you do. All right. So. If we could start intense quiz music, please. <clears throat> and there it is. It always takes a little while for it to ramp up. Terry, your shot. Yakubu, the yak, played 100 times overall for Everton. But how many goals did he score? I'm going to go with 42. Ah. Terry has guessed 42. Max. Sure, I think. Remember that injury? He, I think he'd done his Achilles against Tottenham, and that just kind of messed him up, and he didn't score as much from then onwards. I'm going to go for 38. 38 is Max's guess. The Yak scored 33 goals for Everton, meaning that Max has blocked this one okay nice save max yeah good work great instincts uh now max's question Leighton baines i'm sure you've heard of him <laughs> he's one of uh, the premier league's top 10 penalty scorers in history but how many has he scored oh that's a bad one then i could tell you how many he's missed he's missed one against chelsea in the league cup one against man united in the league but oh, i couldn't tell you how many he's scored Max, you're doing a phenomenal job of answering the questions I have not asked. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, um, oh, I don't know. 24. Okay, Max has guessed 24. Question mark. He's asked it. Is that correct? <laughs> we shall see. Terry. I'm going to do similar to Max in the last question and go 20. 20. I feel like it's lower. I feel like it's not. <gasps> I feel like it's 20. And Terry got that on the nose. Oof. By doing the Price is Right thing where you guess just a little less. <laughs> Same thing Max did. <laughs> These guys are playing They're playing the strategy, folks. They're playing the system. That is a block for Terry. Okay. Terry looked like a cat reaching out there for that. It's amazing. <laughs> the reach on this guy. All right, Terry's question. What minute did Kevin Campbell score in in Everton's 1-0 win, their last win at Anfield, on the 27th of September, 1999? I have no idea, so I'm going to go with 77 minutes. The 77th minute is what Terry says. Max, 
I was one. I haven't got an idea either. Um, I'm going to say it was the first half goal. 37 minutes. 37th See, Max, you're the type of kid, though, who was probably watching at age one. Folks sat you up. And you were sitting there, and you've managed to log the information in your brain. You know? Have I? I? The idea... Well, you got the half right. All right. So, this is a block for Max. Kevin Campbell evidently scored in the fourth minute. Fourth minute? About Haley? Fourth. Really? Evidently, that's a thing. That's a block for Max. Max, you know... Guesses correctly on Terry's little paninka. Didn't quite come off. So, Max, here is your chance. Jack Rodwell left Everton for Manchester City in 2012. But how many appearances did he make overall for Everton? Mm, Awful question. um, John, Quizmaster John, I hope you heard that. I was I, I was over as I was hoping it'd be like how much did he go for when did he sign? Uh, oh, how many seasons did he have? I'm gonna say he had like three strong seasons in the first team. I don't know. Fifty. Max says fifty. Terry. Mm. Bill Terry block. 55. Terry plays the system. And it's successful because Jack Rodwell made 112 appearances. Yes. I doubted myself as soon as I said 50 because he had a good few years, didn't he? Mm. And he was in there. He was one of Moise's darlings. so. So, right now, gentlemen, no one's made a shot. <laughs> good keep. This is Keeper Palooza, all right? This is, <clears throat> this is uh, you guys, this strategy thing, strategery, is uh, is paying off for both of you. Um, but this is the tiebreaker question. I'm going to reflip. Terry, your turn to call it. Heads or tails? Tails. Tails oh. for Terry. It is tails. Oh. You want first or second, Terry? Second. Oh, he wants second. Tides are changing here on If If You Know Your History. Just saying. Uh, The world's changing. So, Max, how old is Jack Rodwell? Oh, 28. Max has said 28. Terry, Um. how old is Jack Rodwell? Tiebreaker question. No pressure. I'm going to do me, me um, shit house tactic again and go 27. I feel like he's younger than that. That's going to be a matter of days, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Probably. I I feel like he's younger than that. He's been around since he was very young, remember? He broke through mm. as a kid. So I'm going uh, to go with that. The shithouse tactic, ladies and gentlemen, as it so recently has has been the case, uh, has succeeded for Terry here. Jack Rodwell is 27 years old. Yes. Going second 
has been a godsend for everyone. <laughs> John, Quizmaster John, just be aware, these guys are working the system. I'm just saying, <laughs> all right? <laughs> this actually helped Terry get it on the nose. Um, Terry, congratulations, sir. You, uh, in, a, in a bit of, I guess, karma, it comes back to you from the, the slip-up for us accidentally get, not giving you enough credit last week. Uh, the, the universe ha- shines kindly on Terry. So, Terry, you have a choice. Your, 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 your spoils of war, spoils of victory. Pick the tune that we close out with. Um, I'm going to have a quick look on my Spotify and see what I've been listening to. Terry scrolls past Baby Shark, Baby Shark, Baby Shark. <laughs> On repeat. <laughs> uh, they played that right before my wife's 5K last week. And I was like, oh no, she's going to have that in her head the whole time. But you know what she had in her head the whole time? Grand old team. She had grand old team in her head the whole 5K. What am I doing to my family, guys? What am I doing? <laughs> um, I'm going to go with another... Um, I do like other music than this type, but I just I think this is my thing for for whenever I win. I'm gonna go with another dad rock type song, and I'm gonna go with "Sharp Dressed Man" by ZZ Top. I know this one. I know this one well. "Sharp Dressed Man" by ZZ Top. It's a good song. It's an absolute tune. Don't ever get ready to go out for a night out listening to that. Because you will go out thinking you are someone you are not. You will slay in your mind. Maybe not in reality, but in your mind, you will be an unstoppable force. (laughs) You will think you are Marcel Brands (laughs) when you are actually Sam Allardyce. So, so Terry, to stay on the topic of of, uh, ZZ Top, uh, my wife and I have been having this discussion recently about bands like ZZ Top and ACDC. Do you know any women that like those bands? Not a single one. Not a one. Not a one. <laughs> and I'm sure there's some there's some ladies who like ACDC. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure I don't know any ladies who like ZZ Top. I know none. Now, granted, it's it's now, but it really is. I think Dad Rock is a good way to describe that. Uh, uh, yeah, it is. It's very you know. Put on your, your, you know, make sure your hair is styled just perfectly. You're shaving. Yeah. Do you know what is funny that you say those two bands? Because I was looking at my Spotify and I was conflicted between Sharp Dress Man by ZZ Top and Shoot to Thrill by ACTC. It's a bit of an A, but that one's the Iron Man 2 song. It's That's cool as well. But I thought, you know what, I think I'll go for ZZ Top because <laughs> I just need to be as as uncool as possible it's cool but uncool at the same time <laughs> Max picks like proper good like you know he picks like Park Life and he picks um, Kanye West and I'm like yeah Kiss ZZ Top <laughs> what else do the young podcast listeners not listen to <laughs> alright so as we're closing out to Tizen ZZ Top uh, one that I've actually liked for a long time not not one that finds finds its way onto my Spotify or onto my, well, anything. <laughs> but when it's on the radio, when I rarely listen to the radio, if it's on, I leave it. I do. I'm as guilty as the next guy feeling like it makes me feel cool. 
So, as we close out to that, it's the end of the really big show. Uh, thanks so much for listening uh, to our the Toffee Blues podcast. Please uh, subscribe to us. Be be one of the one of our our, our flock, our peeps. You know why not? Uh, that way, it'll, it'll show up on your feed, and you'll know when we drop a new one. Um, so check that out. Also, please subscribe to the Toffee Blues uh, YouTube channel if you feel like actually looking at our faces. You know, uh, it's not it's an acquired taste, but you know, hey, maybe <laughs> maybe it's something you'll enjoy if you like that. Then uh, check us out there. Subscribe to us there. That'd be that'd be rocking, and we appreciate it. Um, if you uh, if you want some some uh, big old big old globs of Terry in text format, check him out on the Liverpool Echo fan jury. He'll show up there every once in a while. His Twitter will tell you all about it. Max also does a good job of updating his Twitter about, you know, how how he shows up all over the world, doing podcasts and videos. Yeah, he might, might well show up uh, this coming week on Premier League Productions, you know, doing a little preview of the Derby. He had to go to Anfield, hold his, hold his nose the whole time. Fantastic. Oh. Uh, I've had the cold ever since. Yeah. And you know what? Just to, to plug myself, there's a chance I might show up on NBC Sports coming up this week with me and my son asking Bernard questions. So, yeah, it's a weird time for the guys. All right? Good things, though. Good things. Um, if you want to want more Toffee Blue stuff, you can hear about all these appearances and everything. Uh, follow the Toffee Blues on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram just hit 10K followers. It's uh, It's been pretty cool. We've been able to add a story, and it's been helping uh, people. People are getting access to our videos a lot easier now. Which is awesome. Um, uh, also, check out the Toffee Blues website. Uh, I feel like a new version of the website's gonna be dropping any day now, so look forward to that. I think that's it, guys. No more plugging. I uh, I'm unplugging now. That's it, guys. Terry, thanks so much, man. It's good to talk to you as always. Thanks, guys. Pleasure as always. Max, you as well, man. Um, been a pleasure. See you next People time. People don't realize we sit here and we talk like all the time in between these segments, so. It's always so heartbreaking to, to, to finish because it's just so easy to talk <laughs> to these nice guys. So uh, I'll sign off now. Uh, let's finish up Sharp Dressed Man. So, bye. <laughs>